The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is our prayer that you listen, your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. Hands, everyone over the internet, everyone that we listen to these messages. We ask that you do that which eyes have not seen, that which ears have not heard, that which has not even begun to enter into the heart of man in every life. That your name and your name alone will be glorified. Breathe upon us afresh, Father. Honor and glory we give unto you. In Jesus' mighty name, we are prayed. Amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Okay. Um, if today's your very first time joining us in this series, or you are new to church, you, 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 you've met us at the very end of um, a series titled, titled what? Pure sex. And you know, interestingly, personally, I've heard amazing, amazing testimonies. I mean, some of those testimonies I heard some this week, and I'm like blown away that literally, I'm like, God, you are good. God, you are good. And it is, if, if it is just one marriage that God has helped, it would have been worth it these six weeks. But of course, we, are, we know it's lot much more than one marriage that God has helped and one life that God has set free. It has raised awareness even amongst parents in looking out for their children, in talking to the children about their sexuality. We don't just leave them to dabble and to guess and, 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 and second guess on these issues. And parents are actually taking responsibility. You know, parents once asked, they said that, oh, pastor, wouldn't it have been good if God handed over the private parts of the children to the parents for safekeeping until they're about to get married. Wouldn't that save us all this, you know, issue on abuse and we have to teach them, we have to train them and all that. And I said, that is your own knowledge. But God is wiser than you. God wants us to be responsible from childhood. So our sexuality stays with us from birth. And we, as parents, we have the responsibility to train our children and make sure that nobody exploits them and make sure that they are empowered with the knowledge that they require to triumph in life. Praise the name of the Lord. And in part one of the teaching, we are doing a recap today. In part one of the teaching, we, we saw that sex is actually God's idea. Sex is what? God's idea. Now, some people say sex in church. Yes, sex in church. I said it before. This is pure sex. PG-18. So if you are not 18 and you are here, please do us the honors and kindly, the ushers are going to guide you as you as you go and join the teenagers, they are watching some action movie right there. I don't know what they are watching, but they are having some good time, you know. So this is PG-18, strictly PG-18, of course. And 
So we saw that sex is God's idea. Sex was not man's idea. Sex was not society's idea. Sex is whose idea? God's idea. And we saw that God is big on our enjoyment. Not only sex God is there, God is big on our enjoyment. God could have, for instance, make us eat food without having taste buds. Did you know that? We didn't have to, you don't have to taste the ogbono soup. But God gave you taste bud to taste the ogbono soup and enjoy the oha soup and enjoy the edikai kaikon and just have a good time. You know why he did that? So that you can enjoy your food. Look, you can eat without tasting. And you will still be nourished. Do you know that? There are people that have lost their taste, sense of taste. But they are still eating and they are still nourished. So why would God give us taste buds? He gave us taste buds so that we can enjoy food. Why would God make sex so intricate and so enjoyable, simple, so that we can enjoy it? Because there are creatures on earth that don't have sexual intercourse before they reproduce. You know, some people say, oh, sex is just for reproduction. No, it's not only for reproduction. It's for enjoyment. I was say enjoyment. Now, of course, I showed you creatures on earth that didn't have to have sex. The, the, the female puts out her egg and the male sprays with the sperm and offspring are born. Wow. So why did God create us like that? Why did God make us like that? Because he has a greater purpose. He wants us to enjoy sex. So sex, God's way, I want to say God's way. Sex, God's way, is pure and pleasurable. The Bible says that the bed is undefiled. Sex, God's way. The problem is the world and people, we are having sex outside of God's way. That's why there's a lot of problems in our health. Spiritually, there's a lot of problems. Why? Because we are having sex outside of God's way. While sex is pleasurable, sex is never only about pleasure. Never. Sex is never only about pleasure. Because there's, if there's one thing, that activity that you do, apart from worship, that involves your spirit, your soul, and your body, it is sex. Sex is all-encompassing. And, 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 and I got a, we got a question last week of a guy that said to me, Pastor, what if someone has sex with condom? If the condom is on, wouldn't that protect the person from this entanglement you're talking about? And, and my answer, like I said last week, that the condom only protects the physical. What happened to the soul ties? What happened to the spiritual connections? What happened to the demonization that is going on? What happened to the demons that are now being attached to you? Maybe the, the lady has had monetary spirit from generations. Then you have sex with her and the monetary spirits are following you about to... What happens to that? Condoms can't protect that. In fact, condoms, even physically, they say it's not 100% protection. Praise the Lord. So sex is never only about pleasure. Then in part two, we saw the fire of passion. 
We, we said that the fire of sexual passion has three flames. The fire of sexual passion has three flames. The first flame is the flame of, of friendship. Thank you. The second flame is the flame of commitment. Thank you. The third flame is the flame of intimacy. Some people, that's the only one they remember. There are three flames. And for, for sex to be fulfilling, those three flames must be in place. There must be the flame of friendship burning. There must be the flame of commitment. There must be the flame of intimacy. And you see, some people are having sex without the flame of commitment. They are not married. They are not committed maritally. You are going to run into problems. Some people are married maritally. They, are, they have the flame of intimacy present, but they don't have a relationship. They are not friends. You are not friends with your wife. You are not friends with your husband. You are just sleeping with a stranger. And some, they have the, the friendship and the, and, the, and, the, and the commitment, but they are not sex, intimately passionate. And to such couples, you know, I know couples that say to me sincerely, Pastor, you know what? We are friends. I me and my husband, we flow. I mean, and you know, we are married, but on the bed, there's no action. Listen, 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 listen. That is not God's will. That's not God's will. And every barrier between you and your husband or you and your wife, sexually, we command it to crumble now. In the name of Jesus. Pastor, you're taking this thing into the spirit realm. How can you be commanding that to... I mean, come on. Yes. Because it is important to God. It is what? It is important to God. So these three flames must be in place. Must be in place. Unfortunately, some people, they burn these three flames with different people. They have the flames of friendship burning with some people. So they have the flames of commitment burning with their spouse. They have the flames of intimacy or at least the fantasy of it burning with somebody else. So you have the three flames burning with three different people. God says no. God says the three flames will be burning with one person. Do I get an amen? And in part three, we, we, we ask the question, what do men want? What do men really want? We answer the question, what do men really want? And we saw that what men want is actually very simple and straightforward. Only one thing. One man, one men want only one thing. So give the man what he wants. Everyone say, give the man what he wants. So what do men want? We explained, contrary to what you think, that men want one thing, but it can, it, it, it can, it's fucked into two, you know. Men want to be desired by their wives. Listen. We men, we are insecure. No matter how macho we look, we are insecure. We want our wives to desire us. We want her to, to long for us. We want her to desire us. That's, that's number one. Number two, a man wants to know not only for his wife to desire him, a man wants to know that he measures up. 
A man wants to know that he measures up. That's where, that's where you will get questions like, during intimacy, did you enjoy it? Did you come? And the woman is like, why are you asking? How was it on a scale of 1 to 10? How was it? How was it? How was it? Men want to measure up. They want to feel they are performed. They are performers. Praise the Lord. And sex is a big deal to men because sex is one thing that answers the two questions, the two cravings of man that fulfills it. The craving of being wanted by the wife, sex fulfills it. So a woman that is cadaveric in sex or, or, or is complacent or just do what you want to do and go is missing a whole lot and is hurting her husband deeply. Also, it fulfills that and it also fulfills the am I man enough? Listen, over 90% of women that have asked this question failed it. They failed it. They don't, they don't answer it correctly. What's the question? I asked them, what is the height of your husband's sexual fulfillment? Oh, they say that's simple. I said, what is the height of your husband's sexual fulfillment? They say, yeah, when he comes now, when he reaches orgasm, then that's the height of his fulfillment. And I said to her, Wrong. And she's like, they're like, really? I said, yeah. So, so what is it? I said, when you come, when you reach the casino, they're like, no way, I'm going to ask him. And they both call me back, Pastor, you were right. Of course I was right. So people have married for 30 years, they don't know these things. That is it. Why? Because it, it makes him feel like I'm the man. Why is that important to a man? I don't know, but that is important to a man. <laughs> Praise the Lord. <laughs> That's how men are wired. So, and in part four, we answer the question, what do women want? What do women want? What do women want? And we saw that what women really want is more complex than men. When men's own is point and kill, women's own is spaghetti-like kind of weaving. But we distilled it into four. We said women want four things. Number one, we said women want the truth. Women want what? The truth. And when we said that last time, the old place erupted, the women were happy, clapping. I'm like, wow. Number two, we said, not only do women want the truth, number two, women really don't want the truth. I'm like, okay, so I said, okay, isn't that contradictory, Pastor? You just said women want the truth, now you're saying women really don't want the truth. And we said, on integrity issues, be truthful. On preferential issues, be tactful. 
Things that are, don't bother on integrity, they bother on preferences. In other words, how does my hair look? You are on your way to church already. There's no time for her to go back and fix anything. And she says to you, how does my hair look? And you're saying, do you want me to tell you the truth? No, she doesn't want to hear the truth. She wants you to reaffirm her. That is all she wants. She's feeling vulnerable. She's feeling, am I, am I, am I you know, you know, vulnerable. And she wants to reaffirm her. How does my air look? You are already on your way out. How does the air look, man? How does it look? Fantastic! That is the answer. That's the answer. You know, she has been making a lot of effort. She has been dieting. She has been, she has a, a personal instructor. She has been, you know, gymming to try and burn, burn some fat. She stands in front of the mirror and she says to you, am I fat? Even though you can see some... What is the answer? Eh. Now, I know some, some younger men are looking at me. What's he saying? How can you say that? You don't, are you telling us that we shouldn't... Uh, be truthful. I'm not saying you should be truthful. I'm saying be wise. But <laughs> the truth is, your wife has been making effort to lose those weight, and she's saying, "How do I look? Look beautiful, baby." That's the answer. Some questions just have some answers. Anything else is wrong. Not that women don't want the truth. Women just want to be dealt with with some tact. With some tact. So don't say you are fat if you don't want to go hungry for the next one week. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. I still believe some men are still struggling with this in their heart. Now why, is, why would I do that? Why would I, listen. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder. You have chosen to see beautiful. And so shall it be in Jesus' name. In fact, didn't God tell us to call the things that be not as though they were? The most beautiful woman in the world. Where is she again? Oh, she's right there. Don't wonder. Everybody knows who she is. She's the most beautiful. Pastor, you are partial. <coughs> Excuse me. You don't be partial. <laughs> now we saw that number three, women want security. Women want security. Women want to know that the children are taken care of, that the school fees are going to be paid, that the rent is going to be sorted out, that there's roof over our head. That it's not that women are materialistic. Women just want to be secure. They want to be emotionally secure. They want to be, in fact, they love you so much and they don't want you to die. They don't want anything to happen to you. But they, they are wondering, if something happens to this man, what's going to happen to me? Let me tell you something. Every wife thinks that. 
I've given my all for this man. If something happens to him, what's going to happen to my children? Would they still be able to go to university? And it is your job to allay the fears and to put things in place that she can see that she's secure. Number four, women, we, we, we said, if you want the full details of this, of course, you need to get the messages. Women want to feel loved. They want to what? Feel loved. And that is a whole kettle of fish altogether. And last week, we looked at past five. And in past five, we had Q&A, question and answers. We had a whole lot of questions that even while I was getting off this altar, I was, my phone was still buzzing. I was still getting questions. I was getting home, I was getting questions. The following day, I was getting questions. Now, we're just going to kick off from there and, and tie everything up as we round up this series. Of course, I won't be able to take all the questions, but there are some questions that I think I should take. The first one is, Pastor, my wife is no longer giving me good kisses because of your message about the mouth and the toilet. Please, I don't know what to do again. We were bathing and my wife will look at the toilet and look at my mouth. She now avoids kissing. She said whenever she's kissing me, toilet message crosses her mind. It's a serious quarrel now. Please readdress it, please. Double please, so I will. Thank God we saw the clip on, on the seconds. That's not the only thing I said. I said couples that kiss often quarrelless. It is impossible to kiss your husband, your, uh, your spouse, two, three, or more times a day and sustain a quarrel. It is impossible. If you want to try it out, try it out. Say to your wife, we are going to fight today, but let us kiss first. It can happen. Even if your heart is hard, after the first kiss, after the second kiss, you just let it go. That's how it is. And like I said, the bacteria here is the bacteria there. So you can as well mix it up. It's yours anyway. You should be bothered. What should bother you is if he's kissing somebody else, that should bother you. But if it's only you, uh -uh, you have given him bacteria since. Collect his own too. And it's the, the way God has wired it, that bacteria won't harm you. In fact, that's the best bacteria you need for your antibodies. You know you need some antibodies. Believe me, that, that's an antibody right there. Okay, so, lady, kiss your husband passionately in Jesus' name. Amen. <laughs> Next question, Pastor, is that to say if you know something is on his phone, you shouldn't bring it up? Please clear the phone issue again. You once said it's like a knock on the door. And won't I open if the visitor is for my hobby? This will make many men say, don't ever touch my phone again. After all, you have heard pastor say it. Not, to, not all checked for incriminating things. Of course, 
Now, what she said there is correct, and that's the example I gave, usually. When there's someone on your door, at your door, and knocks on your door, does it matter whose visitor it is? The closest person or the person that is freer goes and opens the door. The same thing with the phone. The phone is a door. It's an access to you. So your phone rings. Why can't your wife answer it? There's no reason why your wife cannot answer it. There's no reason why your husband cannot answer it. Because it's not only one way. There are some women. In fact, there's a man that says to me that his wife goes to the bathroom. She has two phones. She goes to the bathroom with them. She carries the phone to the bathroom. She hangs one there. Why one there? She's having her bath in case the guy creeps up. Something is wrong with that. Then why are you married? You can as well stay in your father's house. Marriage opens you up to the other person. And you should be sincere about your integrity. Listen, if there's really nothing to hide, why would you worry if your spouse checks your phone? So you are saying, Pastor, so your wife can check your phone. Of course. My wife can check my phone. I don't even worry about my phone is sometimes. Everybody say nothing to hide. Okay. So, next question. She says, you've not talked about orgasms for both parties. How long should sex really last? When I saw this text, I was like, oh man, I thought I dodged this Issue. I deliberately avoided it in this whole series. But here we are. How long should sex last? Sex should last as long as both of you want it to last. That's it. Talking about orgasm, there's one rule that we follow or try to follow. And it's, it should apply to you also, I think, you may want to adopt it. And it's a simple rule that we use in our daily courtesies already. And it simply states, ladies first. So when it comes to orgasm, ladies what? Ladies first. So the man's job is to take his wife there before he gets there. How unselfish that is. However, I need to put a caveat. That may not be practical based on the three types of sex that we also adopt in my marriage, which you may want to adopt. My wife and I, we had um, Kay Warren years ago. Kay Warren is Rick Warren's wife. She was sharing this, that her and Rick Warren have this um, strategy. And we adopted it, and it's been fantastic. I mean, and she said that they, they snack, as far as sex is concerned, they snack, they have a meal, and they have a banquet. So there's snacking, there's meal time, and there's banquet. Snacking is at the quickest of this world. While it puts the excitement in your marriage, you are going to work, you see your wife in the kitchen, and you quickly stop, you know, don't let me paint this picture, you know, and all that stuff. And you quickly run into your car so that you are not late. You remember it all day. That's snacking. Your wife mostly will not reach orgasm snacking. But you can't live your life on snacking. 
Praise the Lord. You can't live your life on snacking. You need to have a meal. Well, you can just open the fridge and take a snack and go. For meals, you have to prepare your meals. Am I correct? You need to go to the market. You need to buy tomato. You need to buy pepper. You need to blend it together. You need to do this and do that. Then you have a meal and then you eat. So the meal time is a planned time. At least that's the three times a week thing. Meal. Sex. Plan it. For couples that are struggling, we actually say schedule it. Yes, you heard me right. But wouldn't that take away the spontaneity? Leave the spontaneity to snack it. Schedule your meals. If you don't have a pattern, that is. Schedule your meal. My, the part of the world I came from, they say that if you want to match cold floor in front, you do what? You pour cold water in front so that you can match cold floor. So as a man, if you want to schedule your meal in the day, you send text messages to your wife. You know what I mean? You would... Um, you know her love language, you begin to water the ground and water the ground and water and buy the tomato and buy the pepper and buy the onions and do everything. So by when you get to you just blend it in. And when you are cooking it, the meal is ready. And with meals, I would say, you know, two out of three times, meal time, two out of three times, the woman should reach orgasm. Two out of three times. Why not? It's your responsibility. I know, you know, some, some women say, oh, I know, some of us men miss our wives so much that in 30 seconds, we are done. And the wife is like, okay. I thought we were just getting started. But listen, that should not be the norm. If that's the norm, you have to overcome it. You have to. You have to. Listen, if you are struggling to overcome it as a man, see me in camera. Mano a mano. Mano man. And God will help us overcome it. Say amen now. In Jesus' name. You can't just do that. You will, kill, you will wreck your relationship with your wife. She will not even look forward to it again. Why? Because while saying that, it should not also last forever. It should not last. You know, men are so goal-oriented. Sometimes, for women, the objective is not... For most women, the objective is not orgasm. They just want to have a good time. They want to feel connected to their husband. They just want to bond and, you know, you know sex can happen. Yeah, fine. But they are not so geared up and ready to go all the way to have orgasms. But because women, we are so goal-oriented, we keep going, we keep going. 15 minutes, 30 minutes, 45 minutes, she's dry, she's sore. Say, leave me alone! Say, are you there yet? Are you there yet? Listen, that's how men are wired. But <laughs> some people are so shy, they are covering their faces. That's how men are wired. <laughs> you see, I told you I wanted to avoid this message, but you people, you, you, you threw me, you brought me to it. Now, don't be shy. You have to face it. We have to face it together. Men are so wired like that, that the goal can just be orgasm. But you see, listen, is not always like that's where communication is so 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 important. Communication is so important. A real man, praise the name of the Lord, can love the same woman in creative ways all his life without getting bored. 
In fact, that's one of the marks of a real man. To love the same woman in creative ways all his life without getting bored. A weak man will need to jump from one bed to another bed to another bed in an insatiable chase of what only one woman with God's grace can feel. Praise the name of the Lord. So I'm going to make a call. It's a bold call. This is unscripted in the sense that no man in this place knows about this call I'm about to make. But I want to challenge you. You are, you are here, you're a man. Married. You are saying, I want to renew my commitment to my wife. I want to renew my covenant with my wife. We've had challenges like we, like we said. We had different seasons. And this is a good time. Pastor wants to give you this opportunity. God wants to give you this opportunity. You want to step up and say, Pastor, I want to renew before God my commitment to my wife. I want to strike this afresh in the presence of God. I want God to cleanse all our past mistakes and hurts and give us a fresh start this morning. I would ask such, a man, such men to be bold enough as they are to rise on their feet. That is me. Rise on your feet. God bless you. God bless you, sir. God bless you, sir. God bless you. God bless you. That is me. I want to take this step. You know, why is this important before people? Why can't I just do it in my bedroom? You know why? Because God is a God of what we call um, of witness. God is a God of witness. We, we are surrounded by such a great crowd of witnesses. In the presence of God, there are innumerable companies of angels. In the mouth of two or three, every truth shall be established. You want to join these great men? Kindly rise on your feet. Now, that is me. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Stand. Standing before God. It's a huge opportunity. Now, I'm going to ask you if, you, if you are sitting beside your wife, to romantically hold her hands and bring her forward. If you are not sitting beside your wife, majestically leave your seat and romantically locate her and hold her hand and bring her forward. Let's clap for this bold man of God. Let's clap for this bold man of God. As God bless you. God bless you. There's space here. There's space here. God bless you. God bless you. Let's keep clapping. Let's clap. Let's keep clapping. Let's clap for this bold man that are able to take a stand and say, I'm going for my baby. I'm going for my baby. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I want you to face yourselves. 
what's going to happen is I'm going to lead you to the renewal of your vows. You are before God's presence. You are before God's people. I really love doing this because it's just, it's just kind of, you know, it's, 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 it, the Bible says it's like Christ and the church. You know, it's just kind of beautiful. Now the men are going to go first. I want to say after me, I mention your name. Look into our eyes. Let her hear your voice. I, yeah, go ahead. We'll have you, mention her, mention her, mention her name. To be my wife afresh. To live together according to God's word. I will love you. I will nourish you. I will cherish you. I'm making a promise today before heaven to forsake all others and cleave to you alone as long as we are both alive. With deep joy, I receive you afresh. Throughout life, no matter what may lie ahead of us, I pledge to you my life as a loving and faithful husband. I love you. Mention their name. Say it again. Say it again. Say it again. Say it again. And I know that God has ordained this love. I hereby give you my total loyalty. Say that again. Now the ladies say after me. I mention your name. Look into their eyes and say, We have you. Look into their eyes. To be my wedded husband afresh. To live together according to God's word. I will honor you in all circumstances. I promise you today. I will forsake all others. And cleave to you alone as long as we are both alive. I promise you my deepest love, my fullest devotion, and my tenderest care. Throughout our life, no matter what may lie ahead of us, I pledge to you my life as a loving and faithful wife. I love you. Mention your name. Say it again. Say it again. Say it again. And I know that God has ordained this law. I hereby give you my total loyalty. You can kiss your wife. Kiss, kiss, not peck. Kiss. The jams must flow. Kiss, kiss. <laughs> Praise the name of the Lord. Now, uh, some of the people are shy. She's your wife. Now let me provide you. Father, in, in the mighty name of Jesus, we pray for these ones. They're taking this bold step before you, before heaven, and before all of us, Lord, to declare their love and their commitment and their loyalty to one another. We ask, Lord, that the enablement to make this permanent given to them, Lord, breathe upon these marriages. Say amen now. Breathe upon these marriages afresh. Renew the wine, my Father. Take them higher still and let your name be glorified 
Honor and glory be given to you, Lord. Honor and glory be given to you. In Jesus' mighty name, we are prayed. Amen. Let's put us together for the Lord as we go. Congratulations. Congratulations. I hope I pronounce you husband and wife. <laughs> now, 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 now. This is not to start a civil war. If your husband didn't get up, don't say, you did not get up. We are going to the same house today. I will show you Pepe. No, 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 no. no. Let me tell you why he didn't get up. He didn't get up because he already knows that everything is all right. And we get better in Jesus' name. Amen. So, no civil wars, okay? <laughs> Praise the Lord. Okay. One thing you and I must realize is that God wants us to lend our voice against homosexuality. Not only should we stay away from homosexuality, God wants us to lend our voice. I would say our voice. Against lesbianism, against homosexuality. It's not something to play with. It's not something to toy with. At all. At all. First Corinthians 7 to 5. Let me start from verse 3. First Corinthians 7 from verse 3. The word of God says that husband, do what? Husbands and wives, sorry, have reciprocal duties. I'm quoting another translation. Each husband has the responsibility to meet his wife's sexual desires. Who has the responsibility to meet his wife's sexual desires? The husband. Question, if you don't do it, who should do it for you? That's one thing that you cannot delegate. You can't, hopefully. You can't. And each wife should do the same to her husband. If you don't meet your husband's sexual desires, who should do it for you? Excuse me, who should do it? In marriage, neither the husband nor the wife should act as if his body or her body are private properties. Don't touch me. Have you heard that before? It's not scriptural. It's not yours. Oh yes, it is not. Your bodies now belong to one another and together they are whole. Verse 5. So do not withhold sex from one another unless both of you have agreed to devote a certain period of time to prayer. When the agreed time is over, come together again so that Satan will not tempt you when you are short of self-control. So the Bible is acknowledging the reality of temptation if there's sexual starvation. It's real. God wants us to protect ourselves and protect our marriages. That is one. Secondly, we see from this scripture, the Bible says that when you set aside time, you say that you are going to be, you're not going to be um, intimate and you're going to spend the time to pray. My question to you, those of us that are married, when was the last time you said to your wife or to your husband, let's agree to set aside these three weeks and seek God and not touch each other? 
When was the last time you did that? You need to do that. When was the last time you said to your husband and your wife and you agreed for the next five days we are going to set ourselves and face God and we are not going to touch ourselves. We are going to consecrate ourselves to God. When was the last time you did that? Some people have never done that. They've been married for donkey years. You've never done that. You need to. Am I saying that you cannot pray and be intimate? No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying you cannot fast and be intimate. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying there's a level of prayer, there's a level of fasting that sexual intimacy will distract you from. Period. Praise the Lord. That's what I'm saying. So I'm going to close with a story. There's a fictitious, oh yeah, fictional shopping mall. New York City. I read this. I heard this story some time ago. In New York City. And the mall has two buildings. Each building had six stories. Six stories. In the first one is husbands that are there for sale. So you go there and you obtain a husband for yourself. The next one has wives. You obtain a wife for yourself. And 333 million 305,000 ladies were surveyed to go and pick a husband. Same thing, 333 million, 305,000 men were surveyed to go pick a wife. When the last lady, the 333 million, 305,000 lady entered the store, on the first floor, the rule is this. You can pick a husband from any floor. But once you exit one floor, if you have your husband, you are exiting the building. If you don't have your husband, if you go to the next floor, only two ways, you can, only one way, two ways. You can come down, you can only exit or go higher. And when you get to the last floor, only one way, exit. So in the first floor, the last woman that went to pick a husband saw there, the first floor had men with good jobs. So she was like, wow, men with good jobs. Let me get one for myself. And she was about to choose. I said, wait a minute. What's in the second floor? So she says, I'm, I don't know. Let me go to the second floor. So she got to the second floor. She saw men with good jobs and good looking. She says, men with good jobs and good looking. That is a double barrel. I'm going to get one for myself. And she was going to get one. She thought to herself, wait a minute. What is in the third floor? So she got to the third floor. And she saw men with good jobs, good looking, and can cook. And help with housework. Ah, I said, my own do better. Men with good jobs, one, good looking, two, can cook and help with housework. I'm definitely going with one today. But she saw for herself, the fourth floor may even be better because there's a progression here. So she said, no, no, no. She will go to the fourth floor. She got to the fourth floor. Men with good jobs, good looking, can cook. I love children. 
Ah, I says, ah, this is where my destiny is. Men, good job. <laughs> good looking, can cook, loves children, can do diaper runs. I'm getting me a husband. But he said, wait a minute. What would be in the fifth floor? She got to the fifth floor. Behold, men with good jobs, good looking, can cook and help with housewife, housework, lost children, and super romantic. So I was like, oh, <laughs> all this for me. What can a woman ask for in life? So she was going to choose a, a man for herself. And she said to herself, oh, wait a minute. Let me get to the sixth floor. So she got to the sixth floor. And it was announced to her, you are the 333rd, 305,000th woman on this floor. There are no men available on this floor. So she has to exit. The point is, all the women go to the sixth floor. What's the moral of the story? Simple. Be content with what you have. You may have a guy that has a good job. He's good looking. But he may not be able to cook. If you're clapping, clap well for Jesus' sin. He may not be super romantic. You may not even like children. Manager. Okay, no, no, not manager. Enjoyer. Just, just have a good time. For some, it, it is a, he has a good job and he's romantic, but he's, he's a little bit ugly. As I said that, I saw a woman says, Tofia. Don't get to the sixth floor <laughs> before you see that. <laughs> and this goes both to single and married women. Be content. Stop comparing your husband with, with Juliet's husband, with Rose's husband, with Amaka's husband. He's your husband. Praise the name of the Lord. It's your husband. It may have a pot belly, but they are filled with good things. <laughs> See you, you don't even fast self. See your stomach. That's your portion. Enjoy it. God has given you an extra pillow. You don't know. When one pillow is high, just turn your head on the Enjoy. My point is this. Enjoy what you have. I know some of you are saying, okay, Pastor, what about the men's uh, building? Tell us the story of the men's building. Should I tell you this story? Maybe we should close now? <laughs> this story, I know, I know, I know. I'll tell you the story. The last man, <laughs> the 333rd, 33 million. 305,000 man 
entered the building. And on the first floor, there are six floors. On the first floor is women that love sex. No man went up to the next building. Every man just said, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. <laughs> I'm good. So everyone checked out. I'm checking out. I'm checking out. Try the next floor. <laughs> what about level three? I'm good. <laughs> What's the point? Really? Doesn't take a lot to satisfy a man. Not a lot. Do I get an amen? <laughs> Now, why that story may not be 100% true? You know, what happens with generalization? You're going to miss out on a subset of the community. I understand that. I've said that from the beginning. But the key thing is this. Whatever it is, like you heard Pastor Damien say, adapt to your husband. Adapt to your own husband. Stop looking over the fence. Let's burn our hearts as we burn our heads as we pray. Father in heaven, we thank you. Why don't you talk to God about what you have heard? Talk to God, talk to God, talk to God. Talk to God about what you have heard. You may be here, you have been, you have been abused. It could be a rape situation. You have been raped. Or oh, there's, there's a sexual scar that you are carrying. It's, it's, it's affecting your relationship with God. In fact, you are far from God. I want to pray with you. You want to come to Jesus. So you are saying, Pastor, but I'm, I used to be born again, but I'm backsliding. I'm backsliding. I struggle with this. I want to, I, but I want to commit my life to Jesus afresh. I want to pray with you wherever you are seated. You don't need to come forward wherever you are seated. You are saying, Pastor, I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to recommit myself to God. I want to open my heart to God. Wherever you are seated, only you. Put up your hand now over your head. I'll pray with you wherever you are seated. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you, my brother. God bless you, my sister. God bless you over there. God bless you over there. God bless you. I want to commit, recommit my life to Jesus. Put up that hand. I want to give my life to Jesus afresh, afresh, afresh. Put up that hand. God bless you. God bless you over there. God bless you, sir. God bless you, my sister. God bless you over there. God bless you. Let's talk to God. Draw me, draw me, draw me now. Draw me now. I need to give my life to Jesus. I still want to pray with you. Put up that hand. Put up the hand. Over your head. God bless you. If I put up your hand, put up your hand well. If you have the card already, you can drop your hand. God bless you. God bless you. There's a hand there. There's a hand there. The Now, Father in heaven, we pray for everyone that has surrendered to you, Lord. We ask that you, as they have cried to you, that you receive them and cleanse them. 
Give them a fresh start in you. And let your name be glorified. Now I want to pray with you. You are saved. But it's a part of your life that is sexually scarred. And it's a burden you have been carrying. You know, I prayed, I prayed for you yesterday night into this morning. I've been praying for you. That this series, as it ends, that the healing will be, will be permanent. You are sitting there. I want to pray with you. If I need you to stand on your feet, it could be an abuse, it could be a rape, it could be a scar that you are carrying. You are saved, but it's a burden. Stand on your feet. I want to pray with you. God bless you. Stand up. Stand up. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Just open your hearts to God and open your hands to God. If you want to still stand up, you can stand up. You can stand up. Oh Lord, your tenderness melting on my bitterness. As, as, as standing up before you or there are people standing up or there are people online I pray for everyone in the name of Jesus and I ask my father that you are the balm in Gilead that you stretch forth your hands even right now and heal these lives Lord restore these souls and let your name be glorified honor and glory to you Lord honor and glory be given to you in Jesus mighty name we are praying. Amen.